Hey, bookworms. Welcome to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I am so glad you are here. I am the Picky Bookworm, and I love bringing recognition to indie and self-published books through book reviews, proofreading, and podcasting. Every Saturday, I get to talk to a member of the writing community, from book bloggers to authors and even other podcasters like myself. I'll include a link to my website where you can leave a comment with your thoughts on the show or questions for the author that I may not have gotten to. You can also find information on how to sponsor this podcast. Ready? Grab your tea, wine, or laundry, and let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Picky Bookworm podcast. I am super excited to have you guys today, and I am super excited to introduce my guest for today. I have Helen Huntley on the show today. Uh, She is an author that I have recently started working with as a proofreader, and she's got a whole bunch of books out, so I'm super excited to talk about those. And, you know, of course, we're going to talk about pretty much everything else under the sun. Uh, You guys are completely used to that by now, hopefully. If you are brand new here, absolutely welcome. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I am Pamela, and I enjoy highlighting indie authors, self-published authors, uh, indie books, self-published books, all of those things. This is one of the ways that I do that. I like introducing authors that you might not have met before to the world. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to go grab your tea, grab your wine, grab your laundry, Caroline. We're going to get started. Helen, I am so glad to have you. Thank you. I'm glad to be there. So real quick, before we get started um, with all the book talk, because I was looking at your your list of books on Amazon, and um, you had sent me a list uh, through email, there's a lot of books to talk about. So super excited to get to those. Um, but before that, um, just give us a little bit of information about you, just how you got started writing and uh, something that inspires you. Well, I used to write um, plays, but I got out of that because I kept having all these ideas for like novels going through my head. So I started started writing novels. Um, Initially, someone told me that if I wanted to make money writing, I should write erotica because that's what sells. So I I did a little bit of that, but I didn't like it. It's kind of boring. And, And I kept putting all this kind of suspense and twists and turns and all this stuff in with it. And it, I don't know. So my writing has evolved more towards the suspense um, genre. Which I gotta say, the you manage to shove a whole lot of that into very small spaces. Um, because the the book that um, actually introduced me to your writing um, was the book that I recently proofread for you. And it was 
what, just under 50,000 words. Um, but there was a whole lot going on in those 50,000 words. Yeah, so, I do have a tendency to, to have a lot going on in my stories, but I I look at them and try to figure out how I can make them longer. But I, I mean, apart from just putting in a bunch of description and stuff that I don't think anybody cares about, I, I can't figure it out. <laughs> well, I mean, honest, honestly, in order, because you do such a good job of shoving so much in in tiny little spaces in order to make them longer it almost feels like you'd have to take two books and smush them into one and that you know that doesn't really you know because of you know I proofread book five in the the series the Onitarian Chronicles and it I, I really enjoyed it. Like, it didn't feel rushed. It didn't feel like there needed to be more. I mean, it just, it felt like it was the perfect size for the story that you wanted to tell. So, you know, I, I think that every author is different. You know, some, um, some authors are able to write poetry and to write these amazing stories in like 10 words you know other authors are able to write short stories and create um you know series of short stories that tell various tales and some people are you know they have this ability to write books that are 110,000 words 150,000 words so in my opinion the length of the book or the length of the story doesn't matter so much as whether you were able to tell the story that you wanted to tell. Right, exactly. Um, That's how I feel about it, too. Yeah, you know, so, and, you know, you did a really good job with book five. I haven't had a chance to read the rest of them. Um, I know you had said that you were um, wanting to do some rewriting on a couple of them. So I've been waiting to, um, to purchase those, but, you know, just knowing what your writing style is from the one book that I have read um, and the other one that I'm working on right now, it's, you know, the length of the book doesn't matter. I mean, it's, they're, they're easy reads. They're not overly complicated and they, they tell the story that you want to tell. So trying to force yourself into a writing style that doesn't feel comfortable, um, doesn't seem to me, and, you know, there may be other authors out there that may disagree with me on this, but it doesn't seem to me to be really worth your time to try to force, you know, to try to force that writing style on yourself, you know, so because I, you know, book five, I wrote, um, it was uh, the gods who don't forgive. And I, it looks like it is um, either on pre-order um, or it's currently available. I couldn't really tell from Amazon. Um, I just published it this morning. You do? <laughs> that I just published awesome. it this morning, okay. so it, give it a couple of days and it'll go off pre-order to live. 
and it's um, ebook and paperback. So. Okay, awesome. Well, I will be sure to include a link to that in the um, in the show notes for everybody, along with the first four. I will include links to the first four. Um, just be aware, dear listeners, um, that if you buy, I believe it's books one or three, um, I think those are the two that you were talking about, um, doing a little bit of rewriting on those. Um, so just keep in mind that those will be changing um i did get book two um helen recommended book two to me because it can be read as a standalone um so if you are interested in beginning that chronicle and um you know introducing yourself to helen's writing um, menacing masquerade i think is the name of the book um that has been recommended to me as a good place to start so um, I will also be including links to all of Helen's other books. She's got a lot of them. Um, and I will be checking those out as soon as I can. Um, but so what, what is your favorite part of the writing process? Yeah, it's the developing the story. That's my favorite because um, it uses that part of your brain, that creative part of your brain that this I started um this morning, well, I was working on it this morning, but I'm working on a western right now, so I have all my notes, so I was going through all my notes, and it is just a huge mess, but just going through it, sorting through it, getting more ideas, adding the conflict, adding the characters, developing the characters, all that kind of thing. That's like, that's the part I love about it all. So, so, so speaking of developing characters, what, what is your favorite character that you have created so far? Oh, gosh. I know who mine is, but I was just wondering who yours was. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I have a reader. She's got a crush on one of my characters in my series. Um, Pro probably this, probably the same one. That's my favorite. <laughs> no, you. I don't think because he's not in that book. He's not in book five. You read. He's uh -uh. But he will be. He's yeah. So I don't think it is. But um. Uh, gosh, I don't. I don't know. Um, you are allowed to say all of them. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. I don't want to put you too much on the spot. <laughs> yeah, probably I just love them all. They're I get that yeah. I, I nothing really no one really sticks out to me. Um was Artiman? Was Artiman in that yeah, Artiman was in book five. He was. Brother. Mm -hmm. I think I like Artiman. Artiman's got a lot going on. He's got he's got he's gonna be in the final book book eight he he's, a, he's he in for some surprises so he definitely has a temper though too like very yeah, it's, very it's the pendulum <laughs> thing well you know and he was it's his sister and the whole, the oh, whole yeah thing. yeah so so well so tell me who is, yours is tell me who your Odysseus is mine Odysseus and Lily are mine oh Odysseus yeah Odysseus is, was nice I like Odysseus yeah. 
He's he is a he is a very cool very cool character. Um, I don't want to say because it's book five. I don't want to say too much um, <clears throat> about him because I you know I just I don't want to ruin like any part of the story. But um, he is he's definitely a very cool character. I hope that um, listeners go and check out the book series um, because I do think that you know. They're they're really good for a quick read to get you over a reading slump. Would oh yeah, be, I thought of that. Would be a good really idea. good description of them because I mean they don't, you know, they're short enough and they're action packed enough that they don't require a whole lot of extraneous thought um (laughs) it's i'm not i am not calling them simple i am not calling them dumb or anything like that far from it um but it's you know every once in a while especially when you've been going through a reading slump you want something that the author is just letting you know what's going on they're not you know it's not anything like Will they, won't they, or will he, won't he? Um, And, you know, yeah, there's a, you know, few twists and turns and, you know, things changing and that, you know, evolution and and things like that. But it's it's a, a good, quick read. And if you're, if you've been going through a reading slump, they're definitely those quick type of reads that would, um, help get you back into reading um without forcing too much on you um i I know i write them i they're totally just absolutely for just escape yeah for for entertainment just to take you away give you a little adventure and absolutely nothing else behind them whatsoever (laughs) no exactly (laughs) and you know that's what makes them perfect for for getting over a reading slump because I know for me personally, if you know I read something that is really really long or um, really really involved, it you know when I finish that book, it kind of takes me a little bit to find something else to read because you know I've just finished a seven hundred page book. I don't want to read another 700 page book. I want something that's just going to be a little bit lighthearted. That's just going to be, you know, like you said, that little bit of escape. And, um, you know, I, I think that the Onitarian Chronicles are, are perfect for that because they're just, just little reads. I mean, they're, I think I, the total time spent um, when I was proofreading book five, I think the total time was maybe like three or four hours. Really? Maybe. It might have been closer to five or six, but it's, you know, but I also read really fast. So, I mean, yeah, but they even usually first, take about six to eight hours. Six to eight hours know, to read. Yeah. So that's not yeah, bad. And it's and not too short. Even it's not yeah, exactly. I mean, even if you're a, a really slow reader, I mean, you're talking, 
not even a full day of reading time. So, um, you know, so that it would just be, they would, you know, be that really great choice for, you know, you've just finished this long involved, super deep fantasy book with like 50 bajillion characters and you want something to just help your mind relax. Um, I think that the Onitarian Chronicles would be, would be great for that. Yeah, they're um, fun. They're also very fun. And there's they uh, are very fun. conflict and, you know, all the stuff in there that will keep you turning the page. Planetary intrigue is fantastic. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, good, good. Oh, that's encouraging. Thank you, Pam. You're welcome. That. So, um, one thing that I, uh, you had sent me a, a short uh, bio before um, we recorded yesterday, um, or you sent it to me yesterday before we recorded, and um, I did notice that there was not anything in there about what you do when you're not writing. So what kind of non-writing hobbies do you have? I, I don't have any non-writing ho hobbies. I mean, I have in the past because I've done art, uh, paint, oil painting and photography and the stuff like that. But since I've been writing, I'm totally focused on focused on my right on my writing. So. Um, so your your hobbies are all the um, tactile creative, I guess, would be would be a good way to to describe that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. What What is your favorite way to relax after a long day? Right. <laughs> oh gosh, I don't even know. Um, after a long day, just um, do reading, long days. Yes, I, I reading is really relaxing. I'm, you know, I'm one of those reader. I read constantly. So, um, read, I read before I go to bed. Um, I'll read periodically throughout the day. And then of course I got my reading, right. Reading my writing instruction books that I'm constantly reading. Um, yeah. And then I also read other books. I, I'm just reading all the time. So, so what are you reading right now? Right now I'm reading the black friar by S.G. McLean, McLean, really good. It's the second book in the series. I'm very, can, very impressed with her. It's, can you give not it a, a huh? little synopsis of it? Um, well, the first book, well, a, it takes place in like 1600s during the reign of Oliver Cromwell in England. And this main character is this man, his name is Damien Seeker. And he's like the head of the police state I guess that they have at that time so he goes around and you know does raids with his soldiers and they're spying on everybody to make sure you know all the pamphleteers um, don't get away with anything and stuff like that but he's got a real on it he's very honest so there's a lot going on in this book. Um, but he's very, he's just very honest and very, um, like in the first book, 
he somebody was murdered and it was evident to him that the person that they had put in the tower and were going to execute for the murder was not the murderer and so the whole thing was for him he was going to go find out who the murderer was because he was not going to let somebody innocent be killed so of course like that i mean but the way she writes is like i wish i could write like her but (laughs) we're all different i every every author is different Yeah, yeah i um you know one of the things that i um you know i like to talk to my author friends about is, you know, one of my favorite things about being in the indie book community and, you know, supporting and promoting and, you know, doing these things for the indie community. One of my favorite things is how non-competitive authors in this community are um, because they, they understand most of them are readers themselves and understand that not every book is going to be for every reader. And, you know, just because one person didn't like your book doesn't mean that the next person's not going to. And so there's this level of help between indie authors and this level of support between them that you don't find in a whole lot of communities, you know, in, you know, some of the, the other communities, it's very much a competitive atmosphere and it's, um, you know, but in ours, I am going to lift you up and I'm going to encourage you and I'm going to support you because I know if it were turned the other way, you would do the same for me. And right, exactly. Right. And because it's difficult to do this, um, by and yourself, it's even more difficult. You know? Yeah, I was going to say it's even more difficult to do it alone. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's not like I mean I do it alone, but I mean I'm not selling very many books either, you know. And so just helping each other, you know, in that way, you know. Well, I hope that being here on the podcast helps you sell a whole lot of books. <laughs> I I really do think they are worth worth people's time and you know I would not have had you on here if I you know did not think that it was worth it so well it's just Uh, it's not just me it's it's everybody because there's millions and billions and trillions of books out there I mean you can't hardly even give away a book anymore you know um there's so many books it's just being found you know and marketing, which I think is a struggle for all of us, you know, let's just figure this oh, marketing yeah. thing out. So. Yeah, I um, I hear authors say that all the time. And, you know, a lot of that struggle, you know, that I've heard from a lot of different authors is the the struggle that they have is the fact that they, a lot of them are more introverted. And, you know, for an introverted person, it's a lot more difficult to put yourself out there and talk about yourself and brag about yourself because 
that's kind of what it feels like when you're asking somebody to buy the works that you put on a page, you're, you're bragging about yourself. And, you know, a lot of people are just not comfortable with that. You know, it's, it's difficult sometimes to look at somebody and say, yes, I am very good at what I do and I deserve for you to pay me for it. That's difficult. I, you know, can't imagine very many people are good at that, um, to be perfectly honest. Um, and if you are good at that and you are willing to brag on yourself, let me know. Um, yeah. Because we need some, we need some tips from you on how to brag about ourselves. Yeah, really um, for sure. Because, you know, because it, it takes a level of confidence in your work that is a struggle for for a lot of people you know even if you're not an author it's it's a struggle i mean for me as a blogger and for me as a podcaster it's you know there's some days that i'm like no i don't want to talk about my podcast because i you know i i just i mm -mm, i don't want to um But, you know, but then there's other days where I'm like, oh, you want to know about my podcast? I will I will tell you all about it. You want to know about my website? Here's the address. Come and check me out because I'm awesome. You know, and so it's like a day to day struggle. So, yeah, for sure. If there's any listeners out there that you have figured out the secret to bragging about yourself every day. um, Yeah, please let me know (laughs) because I would love to have you on the show and give us all some tips because that'd be great. Well, I think that's why it works so good um, what you were saying about the writing community because like I I can't say a whole lot about me, but I could say a whole lot about other people and you know what I mean? Like I could talk about you, I could talk about this author, that author, this one, you know, and but and then that and then gets turned around you know then you can talk about me and they can talk about me and you know say things about me I would never even say you know yeah I'm much better about I'm much better about saying great things about other people than I am about myself right um yeah I I lit uh, my husband and I were at um, a craft fair um back at the end of April and there was one um, one person that came by and she asked she asked me a question and I literally looked at her and went, I don't let my husband answer that because I suck at bragging about myself. I was like, he's much better at it. And so <laughs> my husband's like, and he just like stands up from his chair and he's like, okay, let's get this, you know, let's get this going. And he just starts like bragging on me and I'm sitting there just trying to shrink into my seat. Because I'm just not comfortable with that, you know? Yeah. But, you know, but I know that he believes every word that he says when he is talking me up and when he is talking about me to people. And that means a lot. And so it's, you know, the same way when there's somebody online that, you know, is talking about, you know, my friend Mike uh recently um had called my podcast amazing and had you know told um i think it was rebecca i think it was my guest from last week um had told her how how much fun that he had on the you know when he did his episode 
and I'm behind a screen. Like he can't even see my face and I'm like shrinking into my seat. <laughs> but at this, but at the same time, I, you know, when someone is choosing to say those really great things about me, or when someone is choosing to say those really great things about you or another author, or, you know, all of these other things, you don't necessarily need to believe them, but you need to believe that they believe it. And that is what marks that difference. You know, it's, I may not believe that about myself, but I believe that you do. So when, you know, you've got this group of people like in the writing community that, you know, we are talking each other up and we are, you know, encouraging each other and lifting each other up and, you know, talking about these amazing books that we found, those authors may be looking at those words going, Okay, I don't know where you got that opinion from, but okay. I just have to simply believe that you believe it mm-hmm. and not and not let it become a negative in my life. If that makes sense. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Usually anybody says anything to me, man, I take a hold of it. I'm anything I can get. <laughs> We all need all of the encouragement that we can get. It encourages me. I had one person, they did a review on my book, and she wrote, I can't believe this was written by a woman. I said, hey, that's encouraging. I'm going to use that to promote my book. (laughs) Well, I mean, I will say that your your male characters are are very well done. Oh, good. Um, They, yeah, they don't feel, you know, because you have, you have some authors that, and I'm not calling out anybody specific or anything like that. I do see more of it, unfortunately, in the um, trad pub community, but, um, you know, you have like women written by male authors where the woman is just more masculine than you know the you know the the author will describe her as being this super feminine type of person but then she'll do things or she'll react to things or you know she'll have certain mannerisms that belie that femininity that the author has assigned her yeah well and i understand that Yeah, you know, and then you have women who write male authors, and this is more um, in the, not that I read a whole lot of it, but, you know, it's more in the, um, what my husband calls housewife porn, um, more in the erotica genre, Mm -hmm. where you have a, a woman who has written this super masculine, super just like alpha male character in looks, but then is like a lot more feminine and has a lot more feminine qualities and and mannerisms than the description would normally assign him. Or that that you would expect of him. That you would expect. Yeah. Yeah. 
And neither one of those things are bad. I, I am not saying that at all. I am not saying that a masculine male character cannot have feminine qualities. I am not saying that at all. Um, the, the issue that I have is the incongruity that comes with that. Um, you know, because, you know, you can have a super masculine male character but just add in a little bit of that description of, you know, this is a super masculine male character and he knows how to cry or, you know, he tears up at sad movies or, you know, mm-hmm. he hates to kill the spiders, you know, just have, you know, make them a little bit more balanced. Right. If that, you know, if that makes any kind of sense at all. Yeah. But, but I do, I do run into that more in the, the traditional, um, community, um, the, in the indie community, because we're so close knit, then, you know, a lot of the female authors, if they're struggling with writing a male character, they have a whole crap ton of male authors that they can go to and say, Hey, I'm struggling with this character how can I make him more human? Or, you know, can I add this, you know, traditionally feminine quality? And do you think that it would upset the story? And so, you know, you have these people that you can go to for advice like that. And, you know, so yeah, I think that, you know, I think you did with your male characters, they you know, they were balanced like they should be, you know, they were, I mean, it's, yeah, it's set on another planet, but for, you know, lack of a better word, they were more human, um, you know, because you have the, you know, yeah, they're masculine and yeah, they're strong and, you know, the, you know, the female characters are um, feminine and in, you know, some situations they're weaker than their male counterparts. But that's how humanity works. That's, you know, you have men who are weaker than women and you have women who are weaker than men and you, you know, you have this huge spectrum of humanity and being able to write those characters and make them feel real is a skill. And you know, in some ways it's even a talent because some authors just haven't learned how to build that up yet or their editors come behind them and just completely mess it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what, how many book series do you have right now? I only have one. I just have the one on Ethereum Chronicles. That's my only series. Okay. The How many books total? I'm, I'm sorry? How many books total do you have? I mean, um, it's quite a I few, right? Nine published, ten as of this morning. Um, and then I've got, let's see, I've got, let's see, one. Because I know you have three that four, you're working on right now. Five. I've got four that are in the, 
that have been written, four more, I will say, that have been written that are just, you know, need to be proofread and um, looked over a few more times. Um, so I have six and seven of the series is done, but I want to publish five first before I did any more work on those two, other two. I don't believe you. And um, so then I've got the other one you're working on, the uh, Deceitful Malice is the name of that one. Um, this? Oh, and I've got another one. Yeah, I've got a paranormal faded mates coming out by the end of the month. Uh, also, and then I got to work on. I got to. I'm just getting ideas for book eight, but it's going to be pretty intense. But Ooh. then I've got a whole list. Okay, let me back up a little bit. Once I finish book eight, which is Artemis and the Riker and that whole thing. Um, that'll be the end of the series but I have a huge list of like um, side stories that spin-offs so they'll, they'll still be a whole bunch more of those so well, that's super so you've got quite a few books coming out soon yeah, it all just kind of turned out that they all just kind of wound up this way at the same time. It's just kind well, of I mean, as, as your proofreader, I, I really can't be mad about that. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, yeah, and then I'm redoing the books. Like I got, and I'm not going to redo them a lot. Book one of the series, just I just want to, basically, I just want to take out some of the sex. It's just like a little overkill, I think, so... <laughs> I, that's basically the, my main thing. And then just make sure my characters are developed enough because it's the beginning of the series. And, and so now that I'm farther on, I, I'm knowing my characters better. Mm -hmm. And I might want to reevaluate their development in that book. And then book three, I want to take some stuff out of sex off out of there too. And even though there's not a lot, but there's, I don't know, I can't get into it, so I don't want to tell you about the book, but, um, and development, too. I almost want to look at some of the character development, and I just want to make sure that my antagonists are evil enough, you know what I mean, to make it worth reading. Well, that so. makes sense. Yeah. So, can, can we talk about deceitful malice just a little bit because i know that's yes probably yes. gonna be coming up soon to publish um since i'm normally the one of the last steps before publishing so just the fact right. that it's with me means it'll be coming out soon right um so it is i'll give a quick little synopsis of what um i am aware of what's going on because i'm not um I'm a little under, I would say a little under a third of the way through, I think. I'll be working some more on it later today. Um, but basically you have your two main characters are Adelaide, um, otherwise known as Addie, and her twin brother, Victor. And Adelaide 
finds herself pregnant um, after having had a man force himself on her. That um, was that scene, luckily, was not in the book, so it does not require a trigger warning. Um, but, you know, it is mentioned. And so she finds herself pregnant and she goes to him and lets him know, thinking that, you know, he's just going to decide to support her and the child. Well, it seems she put a little too much faith in him because his solution with absolutely no emotion at all whatsoever is to just marry her. That's that's just what we're going to do. And, you know, she's an independent young woman and, you know, she this man had forced himself on her and gotten her pregnant. Why would she marry him? And I can't say that I blame her. Yeah, right. <laughs> you also have to and, tell, they got to know that this is, takes place like in 1805, too. So yeah, the standards like there are. Early, early 1800s. Yeah. And so, you know, she refuses him. Well, he retaliates by spreading a whole bunch of rumors around about her. Mm-hmm. Lies and, and rumors, the, yeah. Well, that people start to believe. And... Mm-hmm. So Victor um, contacts his friend Noah and Noah offers his country home uh, for Adelaide to go stay in during her pregnancy um, and to get her out of the city so that these people who are believing the rumors won't try to do anything to harm her. Right, and also her and, her family, her mother and father are pretty dysfunctional. Ugh, seriously, her dysfunctional. mother, her mother is just a piece of work. Um, so, you know, I, you know, one of the things that you and I talked about yesterday was just, you know, and please keep in mind that I am not very far in this book. Um, but I really, really wanted that David guy to die. <laughs> yeah. I just really, really, really do. Um, that means I did a great job on his character. You did a fantastic job on his character. Um, and, you know, so I'm, I'm not going to, like, spoil the story by, you know, giving too much away. But, um, you know, that's one of the one of the things that I wanted to talk about in this book was how you get your inspiration for writing such a detestable character that your readers want to die. Well, I don't know, maybe well, other than the fact that I I don't know. Maybe maybe he's taken from a real person. You never know. Maybe he, he could be. He's somebody. Maybe he's somebody I knew one day, a long time ago. You know. So. I, I honestly, I honestly hope not. <laughs> be- <laughs> because nobody, nobody should ever have that kind of person forced on them ever. Yes. Um, he is, he is a somebody, truly terrible you, human being. Yeah. You can take somebody and you can take their 
the way they are and then you can exemplify it. You know what I mean? You can make them 10 times worse in the book. You know, yeah. probably who that person would have been if, you know, there was to their own devices. On him. <laughs> yeah. So. Or even a concept of somebody and turn that concept into a villain, you know? Yeah. So. So what, what is your favorite genre to write? Cause I know um, that, you know, you're writing a Western right now. Um, I'm currently working on a historical fiction. Um, you have your, your space faring um, fantasy, I guess would be, or space-faring yeah. thriller, I guess, would be probably a closer definition. What's your favorite of the genres that you have written or are or are going to write? What do you think is your favorite? Um, I think I like writing this futuristic um, sci-fi fantasy because of the fact that it is future and that it is fantasy I can basically do whatever I want to and there's no there's no um boundaries like when I'm writing my historical suspense I have boundaries you know like I have the society that they're in so the women can't do this and they can't do that and they you know and the men are a certain way and you know you got to stay within those pre parameters or however whatever you call it right but when you're writing um when i'm writing the the sci-fi fantasy it's just it's my world I, they can do whatever i want them to do and be whoever i want them to be and whatever you know and i can make the society whatever i want it to be <laughs> so there's a lot of freedom in that um can be more I can be more creative you know I don't have to stay within the parameters of the the history so in book five um, of the the Onitarian Chronicles um, we um, one of the main characters is Lily is Lily in any of the other books Lily is not Lily and Odette Oh, we froze. Um, Lily and Odysseus are both introduced in book five. Yep. And Vardak and Valeria and her daughter. They're all new characters. Plus all okay. the people in Grotaria, they're all new characters too. The only, okay, so Artemis, Gravis, Harry, Monique, those are all been around since book one. The, okay. the GSM spies leo casper they're all in other books i was just wondering because she's so much fun and i um i would love to see her in other books i hope i hope she's gonna be in future books i should say well she's not in six and seven but she will be in eight because that's the one where um you know, they got to end this whole thing with those writers. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's there's a lot of conflict in um, book 
five in particular, um, mm -hmm. it it definitely creates. Um, I don't. I'm not going to say too much about it, but it definitely creates enough intrigue that I'm really excited to get to the next books because mm -hmm. I'm like, I just really want to find out what happens. And I want to so, make sure that, you know, the bad people get what's coming to them. Yeah. So the thing about book five is that if you read book one, so all the books can basically be standalone books. So what I do is I, but there is a, a continuating theme going on. Um. But it's not anything that, like, if you miss this book, you can't figure it out what's going on with these books. Because I used, I don't have, like, some series you have one or two characters and their adventures. And they go through every book, continuing adventures, you know. But this is more like, I have a group of people, the spies of GSM, for example. And there's all these spies, male and female, and they're all doing all these different things. So in book one, um, they're taking down uh, this notorious criminal who's trying to take over the plant, Astua. Okay. So um, then in book two, it's a war between plant Frisia and, and Ruteria. Um, and then planet three, there's weapon smugglers and planet Astua and just, and then planet four. And, but then when you get to four, four is almost a continuation of two. So you kind of have to read two before you read four, or you won't understand why that creature is in the forest and stuff. Okay. So, <laughs> So you do but, kind um, of want to read them in order, but it's not required. Not necessary. Because they're more like, I don't know what you call it. They're like, so you have, they're a series and it's all the same people and they all work together. They interact with each other, but each one has a different protagonist, you know, like, okay. So in book one, Monique and... Uh, Garrison Witt are the protagonists in book one. You met them mm -hmm. in book five, right? Yeah. They're the protagonists in book one. Okay. Um, and their whole story, how they met, and the the whole thing is is there. And then, uh, so and then in book two, the protagonists are Rue Adensel and Ivora Helmantello. And she's a spy, and he's, it's a whole, uh, that's a very good, complicated book, <laughs> but it's really good. And that's, uh, that's the one, yes, that's the one that I have that I will yeah. be hopefully getting to soon. And then book three, it's Gravis and Vic, and Vic is Barnabas. Did you met Barnabas? Uh, I don't remember. Okay, Bar yeah, I don't think Barnabas was in five. So Barnabas. Barnabas and Gravis were the heads of GSM. They're like the two top master spies. In book three, okay, Gravis is in love with Barnabas's daughter, who's also a spy. 
So in book three, this is whole thing with her and him and these weapon smugglers and this whole thing goes on. So uh, I forgot what I was going to say, but anyway, <laughs> that's what that is. Vic isn't in any, any other books. Yeah. Not yet. Anyway. I mean, okay. she is like, she's in the four. So he marries her in book three and then he retires. So then Harry and Monique take over Gravis's place in the spy agency, but Barnabas is still around um, helping out and stuff. He hasn't retired. He's very, uh, book six, he's not six, seven, book seven, he's, he's very involved in book seven. Okay. So basically <sighs> you should read them all. <laughs> I uh, guess that's right. Read, read them, read them in order so that you don't get horribly confused. Um, and you know, wait until books one and three are rewritten and re-released. Yeah, but you don't um, have to. You don't have to wait until they're released because they're not going to be changed that much. Okay. You know. Um. Well, I will be. I do have them. Um. In the show notes uh, for everybody. So I will have links to those um, for everyone to check out. What um, do you have any book recommendations um, other than Blackfriar uh, that you had just talked about um, a little while ago? The Seeker, those are the first two books. Yes. Um, I, I will include those in the show notes as well. Um, have you finished anything recently that you want to talk about? Well, you know, when I was, I read a really good book. Can you just hold on just a second? I got to go pull them off my bookshelf. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I can. I, um, I love, I love book recommendations. I have walked away from my computer before, um, I've literally had to tell my guest, I'm going to set you talking and then I am going to have to step away and go do something uh, very quickly, usually kicking my cat um, out of the bedroom because he's making too much noise. But he is currently at the end of my bed, fast asleep, and he doesn't even realize I'm talking about him. He has finally learned that he gets to stay in here if he... Uh, calms down and you know goes to sleep he gets to stand here while I record okay so you are back what books are you going to talk about so um when I was getting when I was getting ready to write book six of the series <clears throat> one of the things of book six it's called um from out of silence and so you'll see if you read the series, there's a little thread about this man named Solomon Grant and something happened to him and nobody knows what's happened to him. And you don't find out exactly what happened to him until at the end of book four. Um, and what happened to him is that he got trapped by this traitor spy and he got trapped in the woods and was attacked by a pack of wolves. And the pack of wolves were genetically modified wolves that scientists had stopped experimenting on and had let them loose. 
anyway, so what happened is they wound up turning him into a vamp, into a werewolf. So then, the, so the man is, um, has been height. He's been, he left the, the first they thought he was dead for a year and then he showed up, but then he was very reclusive and nobody could get him to talk about what happened. So this is kind of like, it's kind of in all the books. They kind of mention it, you know, um, what's going on with him. We're going to get him to talk to to us so we can help him, that kind of thing. So as a result, I had to do a lot of um, research on werewolves because I didn't know anything about them. I'd seen some werewolf movies, but I don't particularly like them. Um, so I read some books that were just absolutely fantastic. And there's this series called The, Blood, the Project Bloodborne by Craig Zerf. And it is, I mean, it's so good. It's not long. They're kind of like my books. They're not long, but there's a lot going on in them. And, uh, and it's about, but it's about this one person, this one man named Dead Brenner, who was experimented on by the United States Army and turned into a werewolf. And he is, um, running from them and they're trying to catch him and it's what was really, the name really, of the really author good. that you said i'm so huh? sorry what is the name of the author that you said craig zerf c-r-a-i-g-z-e-r-m craig zerf Re project bloodborne oh there it is okay oh it's a 10 book series yeah i know i'm i'm like on i think i'm just finished four but I'm telling you, I, I, get, I get them and I can't stop reading them. They're so good. And then there was this other one by, um, called The Wolf Man that I read. It was very good. Just one book written by this one man called The Wolf Man, Nicholas Pekero. P-E-K-E-A-R-O. Very good. Very good book. Um, so I got some ideas about you know, how to develop my werewolf. And then there's another series I started reading, but by Chris Fox called Deathless. The first book is No Such Thing as Werewolves. That is excellent. Very good. Very, it's a lot of intellectual, if you like intellectual stuff, but because it goes into history and archaeology and pyramids and the Mayans and it's Wait, really like really good yeah I like that cover it's a good cover so um but this I wanted to read the more of this um deathless series but I'll t I hate zombies okay the next book is zombies and I just I just cannot read about zombies oh. so I don't know. I'm trying to see if I'm going to skip two and go to three or what I'm going to do. Or if I'm just going to try to read the zombies. I don't Missile know. through the zombie book. <laughs> yeah, because the werewolves are going to be in there because the whole thing is that these werewolves were created to deal with the zombies. Ah. So, yeah, I mean, it's such a good series. 
So anyway, I, I read. So anyway, I read a lot of werewolf books recently because of that. So, but well, I will be sure to include those in the show notes. I love a good werewolf story, so um, I will definitely include those. Um, there is a um, a series of books. I do not remember what the name of the series is. Um, book one, they can actually be read as standalones. Um, but they're, um, the first book I think is called Night Shifter um, by L something Horn. The name, the last name of the author is Horn. Um, and that's a, um, a unique take on the, the werewolf mythology. Um, so I will include those once I find that information. I will include those in the show notes as well for everybody. Um, we are about out of time. Um, Helen, I have had such a great time today. Where can people come hang out with you online? Well, I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm on Instagram too, but I'm not on there very much. I, I haven't really decided whether I like Instagram or not yet. And it may just be that I don't know how to use it because I'm not very technical. Twitter seems to be easier for me for some reason. Yeah, same here. Um, and I am on Facebook also, and I, I, left, I gave you that link. I do need followers. They won't let me do anything with my followers till I have 100. Oh. Well, yeah. So same thing with Amazon, like my Amazon author page. I can't even see who my followers are or how many I have until I have like 25 or something. So obviously oh, I don't so have I 25 because I don't know. <laughs> well, I will include your author page on Amazon then. Um, okay, great. And see if, see if we can get people to come follow you on Amazon so that, um, you can start figuring out that information because um, yeah metrics are metrics are really important um, for marketing and you know data is important so let's see if but we can't get the numbers up. I just want to say you know I I like feedback so if I if you if somebody's reading my book and they don't understand something or they're confused or they I would like them to just contact me and talk about it and talk about it you know, or if they have something that they don't like or, you know, I would be totally open to, to just communicate and talk about it and get ideas and stuff from okay. them, you know. To me, that well, was super cool. I, I will be sure to include, um, I believe it's your website, your Facebook, your Amazon, Twitter and Instagram. I'll include all of those links um, in the show notes for everybody uh, so that they can come find you. And um, we are, we're about out of time. Uh, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming and chatting with me today. It was so much fun. All right. Well, thank you for having me. Have a wonderful, great weekend. Um, as soon as I get all of this um, published and posted and all of that, um, I will be sure to let you know on Twitter so that you can share it. All right, great. Well, thank you. Thanks, Helen. Have a wonderful weekend. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.